Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of Politics and Prosecco. I am joined by my esteemed guest, Mara Dolan. Um, as many of you know, we are in the middle of the NAACP convention. A lot of that conversation has been around um, policing. It has been around um, the court system, criminal justice reform. And today's guest, it is so um, timing, really, um, that this candidate for the governor's council um, is here to talk to me and talk to you about this role, um, her history, and really like what the future of um, of her own career, what, what we see with that. So um, again, I am introducing Mara Dolan. We're going to get right into it. But before we do, as you know, I am back on the wagon. So um, I am drinking tonight. I don't know who brought this to my house, but thank you. It's almost empty. It's uh, Casamigos. Um, it's the gold one. I think I think that, got this by. Yeah, that looks nice. Yeah, it's good. Um, so I'm doing that with a little bit of um, lime tonic water, um, and it's it's quite delicious. So cheers to that, Mar. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome cheers. to politics and prosecco. Thank you. So I'm so excited to be here. it. So first of all, tell us who are you? Who am I? Well, <laughs> my name is Mara Dolan. And I'm a public defender. I've been a public defender for 16 years. I've worked in Gateway Cities, Lawrence, Springfield, Worcester. I've worked in our juvenile courts, in our district courts, and our superior courts. So I've really had an opportunity to understand quite thoroughly what's going on in our criminal justice system in Massachusetts. And that's why I'm running for governor's council. Excellent. And tell us a little bit about what the governor's council does. It is the most consequential, least understood elected body, I think, anywhere, and certainly in Massachusetts. It's an elected body. There are eight governor's counselors. And Massachusetts wisely does not elect its judges. But we do elect the people who approve them. That's the governor's council. That's right. They also approve our parole board members and commutations and pardons and a couple other things. But those, those are the main things. Yeah. So... When you're talking about criminal justice reform, I'm so glad that you are. Most people think of it in terms of the legislative branch, right? Congress or the state house or the executive branch, the president or the governor. Mm -hmm. They don't spend enough time looking at judges and the judiciary. Right. And in Massachusetts, the governor's council is the gateway to all of that. So if you mm -hmm. want criminal justice reform, you gotta have reformers on the governor's council. So, you know, let's let's break that down a little bit, because I love what you just said. People don't take a look at the judicial branch of government, whether it's federal or whether it is on the local level, um, because we can talk all day about the federal level because they have been acting um, atrociously. Yes. And not in yeah. the best interest of, of right. yes, the resident, the, right. the, 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 the citizens of the country. But let's talk right. about local judges. Okay. In Massachusetts, judges are appointed, which I find still a little archaic. Mm -hmm. um, I've been, I, I don't believe, I believe in term limits. So I think that's why I think it's a little bit archaic. I don't think someone mm -hmm. should sit somewhere for life. I don't think anyone is effective on their job after 16 years or whatever. Well, we do have a mandatory retirement for state judges of 70. So they, they're not going to so serve. You become a judge at like 35 though. That's a long time to rule. It is. Um, so in communities of color in particular, what I think happened, I'm just going to break this down for everyone who 
who has been following me and also shout out to friend to the show, Eileen Duff, who is retiring. Oh. Um, yeah, she's resigning or retiring from the governor's council. Yeah. Eileen has been a strong proponent of criminal justice reform. She's been an excellent counselor on the governor's council. Yes. Um, or is it commissioner? Is it commissioner or governor or, or counselor? Council. It's council. So she's a, she's a governor's counselor who serves on the governor's council. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Um, friend to the show. She's amazing. She shows yeah. up for people. She's always yeah. um, opening her door. Every time I call her, she picks up the phone. I ask questions that I don't even have answers to so that I can give answers to you also. Shout out. Cheers. Eileen, I miss you. I love you. Eileen. Yes. Eileen Duff. Yes. Um, Eileen talked a little bit about what happened after 2008 when mm -hmm. the Republican Party kind of went a little haywire and started focusing a lot on local offices like mayors and yeah. judgeships yeah. and county commissioners and things like that. That yeah. didn't happen really here in Massachusetts because we are a liberal state, but that doesn't mean we aren't without um, space to grow. And exactly. when we talk about criminal justice reform, I mean, we obviously we're not um, we're not in L.A. We're not uh, Memphis where, uh, you know. Oh, oh, but wait till you hear this. Oh, let's do it. Which state do you think has the highest Latino incarceration rate in the country? I actually don't know the answer to that. Is it Massachusetts? It's Massachusetts. I and and on racial disparities in everything, sentencing, bail probation, parole, crimes charged. Yeah. We are worse than the national average. So here, who, here, so as a governor's council though, yeah. what kind of influence will you have in making sure that people get fair, not only fair trials, but the judges are sensitive to yeah. those issues. Like we we can talk all day, girl. I'm sure you and I can sit down and chat about criminal justice reform. As, oh, yeah. as a public defender, you've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Um, what kind of influence will you have as a governor's counselor in making sure that we put people on the bench that are going to be sensitive to issues like that in communities of color, especially juvenile courts? Yes, we are completely on the same page. As a governor's counselor, you not only interview the people who've been nominated, you can you talk to your colleagues about the people who've been nominated, and you can help inform the people who've been nominated. Not everybody who's nominated will have been a public defender for 16 years. Mm. I can tell folks what I have seen. One of I've got three main criteria for all nominees, and one of them is they've got to be anti-racist because because mass incarceration and these racial disparities that I'm talking about happen one defendant at a time mm -hmm. in front of one judge at a time. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of wonderful judges in Massachusetts, but unfortunately we've got some who frankly, they don't get this. Right. They don't get this. And that we can't tolerate that. Yes. It's unacceptable. So, so break down when you say anti-racist, what is your, mm -hmm. what is your definition of anti-racism? It's somebody who recognizes racism when they see it and is ready, willing, and able to fight it. Because there are folks who see it and they won't do anything about it. And that's not good enough either. So when you're, when you're talking about how in Massachusetts, Blacks are 6.5% of the population, 
but oh, there's Jamal seven... Crawford's going to love this. He's he's on watching now. He's like more than Texas. More than he's going to love these data points. Go yeah. ahead. So blacks are six point five. This is from a, a twenty twenty study. It's three years old. That was commissioned by Ralph Gantz, who was a chief justice of the SJC, that the Harvard Law School did. Um, so blacks are six point five percent of the population, but over seventeen percent of cases. Now, what is that mm -hmm. if that's not systemic racism? Yeah. So you got to make sure that judges are ready, willing, and able to see it, to spot it, and to correct it. We have a, a th this report also shows if someone is black and they're charged with what's called a concurrent offense, so they could be charged in either district court or superior court. Yeah, they're more likely to be charged in superior court than a white defendant. Bail for black defendants is higher than for white defendants for yes. similar crimes. Mm -hmm. Sentences are longer. Wait till you hear this. <laughs> if the average sentence by a black for the black person serves is 168 days longer than the sentence a white person serves. Now, what is that? That is judges handing down sentences. That's why I'm really so glad to be on this show because folks need to know you have a say through your governor's counselor yeah. who our judges are. And I'm all about empowering the people. Yes. So, you know. So so let's let's take it a little bit, let's take it a step further. Okay. How diverse is the governor's council? The governor's council, um, it's all white. Yeah. And I'm and I'm a white woman. And I get that. Yeah, you we know? can see that. Yeah. You know, I, I can see, you know. Um, but but I have extensive experience working with communities of color, working with defendants of color. Um, yeah. and I see it and I get it and I'm fighting it. Because and the reason why I asked that question is because in Massachusetts we have a lot of what I call limousine liberals. Oh yeah. And I heard I'm your finding, rant the other day. Yes. I loved it. <laughs> and I am I am growing so sick and tired of 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 white um the white community disguising themselves as liberals and talking the representation talk, but they think that that's where it stops. They're not you doing the work, said, they're not doing they're the not work. Doing the work. That's doing right. The work. You, you said that. You said it's more than just appointing. You have right. to make sure these people are anti-racist, anti, -racist, anti um, yep. that, that they're doing not only just the groundwork, but that they have a background in being sensitive to these issues. Yes. Systemic you, racism is real. It is not going anywhere. It is not exactly. especially now that and we you have see. To, right. So you've got, you've got to look at the nominee's history. Do mm -hmm. they have a history of being anti-racist? Yeah. What have they done in the organizations they've worked for? to increase diversity and to fight racism. Yeah. And if they don't have a track record, then that's going to that's going to be a big question. So let's talk a little bit about your resume. So you say you were a public uh -huh. defender for 16 years and that you've mm -hmm. worked um, on cases with people of color. Oh yeah. What is your lens when coming in to defend say I I I'm really into juvenile justice. Um because I, I think kids you know, sometimes when you're when you're 16, you just don't have the wherewithal to make they don't. decisions all the time. I have no sympathy for a 40 year old man making poor decisions. So, you know, what lens are you coming into that courtroom with? Um, and how are you advocating for a 16 year old black boy who, you know, may have 
all of the right, you know, boxes checked? It may not. Every kid that goes through the juvenile system is not a fatherless child or not someone from a broken home or not facing food insecurity. Um, I I will say this. I will say this. Generally speaking, I did a lot of work with kids in Lawrence Juvenile Court. Once you understood what they were dealing with in their lives, more than nine times out of 10, it was amazing that they were doing as well as they were. Wow. So I always wanted to highlight their strengths when they were in court before a judge. Yeah. You know, he takes care of his family or she's whatever. She's gotten her Red Cross certificate to be a babysitter, whatever it is. So they felt like they were being recognized for what was good about them. Mm-hmm. But one of the a couple of things really concern me about our juvenile court system. And by the way, I don't think we should call it juvenile court because that's a bit of a dis- pejorative. Okay. Call them youth courts. Let's youth remember courts. that they are youths, right? I mean, everybody calls them juvenile courts. There's, no, there's nothing well, wrong listen, with doing We that. want to be about correct language. So yes. let's, let's do that. Yes, youth courts, youth mm-hmm. courts. First of all, you can tell a child and their children, you can tell them what their rights are, that they have the right to confront their accuser. They have a right to remain silent. They have a right to a jury trial or a trial waived by a jury, all that. And they will sit there and tell you that they understand. And it doesn't mean that they do. Yeah. And and science teaches us is the brain is not fully formed until you're 25. Hmm. And that if you're younger than 25, which is why I think we need to raise the age of jurisdiction in what I would like to call the youth courts. Uh, but if you're particularly if someone who's younger is in what's called a state of hot cognition, they're very emotional. Uh-huh. They're not going to make the same judgment calls that they would if they were in a state of cold cognition. Okay. So we've got to make sure that judges understand that and judge them accordingly. I think, you know, kids, just like everybody else, they don't want to have the problems that they have. Right. Mm -hmm. They want things to be better. Yeah. I think it's when you're dealing with children, I think it's really important not to shame them Mm -hmm. and to give them the message that whatever is going on is because of what they have to deal with. Yeah. And the, the real problem is that they're not getting enough support. Got it. We have a question from one of our Good. viewers, and it Good. is, does the governor's council have any sway on judges that should be reprimanded or removed? Well, the governor, governor's counselors do speak out when they think someone should be removed, but there is a whole process that is not related to the governor's council. And who's, who's in charge of that process? That's, you know, I should know more than I do, but there it's through, it's through the judiciary. Okay. All right. Um, so one of my things is, so, so let me, you know, look, I, I sit here as, as, as someone who does not have children. Um, I am a avid crime show. I am that girl. Are you? Turns Are on you? crime show for background okay. noise and I also go to sleep to it. I'm sure somewhere oh my in my God. psyche. I know it's terrible. No, no, it, it works for you. But it it's my thing. It's it's my it's my toxic trait is that I watch crime shows and I listen to them. If you've ever driven in the car with me, um, I put on HLN and they do the forensic files. So I'm always watching stuff like that. Um, but my question is, um, once you are elected, cause we believe in manifestation on this show. Absolutely. <laughs> once you are elected to the governor's council, um, how will you bring along judges who may not feel the same way you do about criminal justice reform or about social justice issues? I know there are a few on there. Um, yeah. 
And I, you know, I don't know why they're still there, but how will you um, help to persuade them to put a judge who you think is right on the bench, um, but they are either trying to go along political lines or, you know, this is just how it's always been. What will be your influence amongst your um, colleagues? And I ask that question because right now we are in so much implosion amongst elected bodies, whether it's the city council, whether it's legislature, whether it's Congress. So how will you work well with others? I'd like to think I do I do work well with others generally. Um, it's 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 a matter of having dialogues and having conversation. I mean this this but being anti-racist is a deal breaker for me. If someone cannot understand what needs to be done from the bench to fight racism, I don't see how I can vote for them. Yeah, but we'll mean call them yeah. out by saying you're you're you are not operating from an anti-racist stance. Will yes. you call them out? Yes. But but I'm but I'm not but 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 once somebody is on the bench, they're on the bench. I mean, mm -hmm. unless they're removed for some reason. So it's like governor's counselors don't have any say, but they do have a say because people move up. District court judges get promoted to the appeals court. They get promoted to superior court. They get promoted to the SJC. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to move up and they want my vote, then I've got to see a track record that shows that they are ready, willing, and able to deal with these issues. But even amongst your colleagues, will you be open to having dialogues with them and, and telling them you're wrong about this? Yeah. Oh, no, no, of course. But, but I mean, Eileen Duff is a good example. Paul DePaulo is a good example. Mm -hmm. Tara Jacobs is a good example. Terry Kenny's. I mean, there are other governor's counselors who are thinking about these things and are concerned yeah. about these things. But we've got to have is a critical voting block. Mm -hmm. So to make sure that we have enough people who agree with us that we can actually make some change. Now I'm very encouraged by what Governor Healy is doing. Mm -hmm. She already nominated seven people for a pardon. They were all yes. they were all pardoned. So I'm very hopeful that the nominees that we'll see moving forward um, will be will be like-minded. But a lot of people actually don't know that she has nominated these seven people. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, so the governor's council has a lot to do with this because uh -huh. the governor's council has the final say on clemency, which is commutations and pardons. Commutation is when someone has served a portion of their sentence and they are deemed appropriate to be released at that point. It's called commuting the sentence. Is that parole though? No, parole is parole is different. Okay. So, because with the commutation, that's it. They're, they're done. Parole can go on, and I have a lot of things to say about parole and the reform that we need in parole. Um, but with with a pardon, what? So the governor, the parole board recommends people for pardons. The and the, and then the governor recommends them to the governor's council. The governor's council votes on them, and what a pardon says is that the convicted deserve to be relieved of the burden of their conviction. Okay, that's a lot of words. Well, <laughs> that, that's, that's how they, that's how they, that's how they, call. and I can tell you, but a, a, Thomas Schoolcraft is a really good case because it involves juvenile stuff too. This was a young man who had committed a series of breakings and enterings as a teen. And during one of them, he realized that an elderly woman was in the home. And he was genuinely remorseful and oh, turned no. himself in. Okay. Okay. And he was given probation. He wasn't given committed time. 
Yeah. Um, but he went through college. He got a master's, I think, in, in justice, criminal justice. And he wanted to help the very kinds of kids that he had been. I love that. But because he had this record, he was not eligible for hire. So he was recommended for a pardon so that he could be hired to do the job that really is ex exactly the sort of person who should be doing that kind of work. And he was pardoned. Now, the person I'm running against voted against that pardon and said- Tell us who that, that person is. That's Marilyn Devaney. And she said at the time, she did not think that it was relevant that he had committed these crimes when he was a teenager. I think it's extremely relevant. Mm -hmm. um, I would absolutely, I mean, there were fortunately enough votes that he was pardoned, um, but I absolutely would have voted to pardon him. So that's a good example of a pardon. That's a great example. Um, and it also kind of talks a little bit through the system. And, you know, one of the things Sheriff Tompkins talks about a lot is after these people come out of prison or jail, um, yep. you know, what's waiting for them out there. Do they have yeah. a support system from their family? Is there a job? Most waiting? important thing. Yeah, that's why, I want free, that's why I want free prison calls because people need to start building those networks while they're, anyway. Well, you know, we had uh, one of the sheriff's candidates last year talk about um, the free phone calls from uh, from jail, prison. I, I never know which to call it. Um, and I don't think she explained it the right way. And so people were all up in arms, myself included, because I'm feeling like, are we are, are taxpayers going to assume this burden? Like she didn't really talk about like the importance of why this was this burden should should not have just been on the family. Like she just didn't explain it enough. So um, I'm actually going to have Sheriff Tompkins on again to talk oh, a excellent. about this. Yes, um, awesome. he is way more well versed. I know when I've been licked, like <laughs> he's well versed. <laughs> in this i i am not um i am not well versed in this and i want i want people who watch this show and who watch the replay to always have the right information um yeah. so tell us why you're running though for this seat like why not da why not run to be a judge or why not get appointed to be a judge like why run for this seat because i think it's work that i am uniquely qualified to do uh, because I do know from my 16 years as a public defender what's happening in our court system, because since the Supreme Court established the right to counsel for people who could not afford to hire their own attorney, that was in 1963, we've had 52 governor's counselors and not a single one has been a full-time public defender. That's why. Dang. And also, because I know we're running out of time, I just want to tell you quickly, another huge distinction between myself and the incumbent Marilyn Devaney is last year she voted to confirm an anti-choice judge to our superior courts. Well, listen, you know that's close. That pisses me off more than anything. I that listen, pisses me off more than anything. And I can and I can tell you the whole thing quickly. Well, this, do it. No, you, this, you okay. This was a nominee who had donated to the Susan B. Anthony Fund, which works to elect anti-choice people to Congress and to National Right to Life, was asked during her hearing by Counselor Eileen Duff. Do you support a right, the right to choose? She would not say that she would. She was asked repeatedly and she would not say that she would. And then she said that abortion has nothing to do with Superior Court, which isn't true. Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 112, Section 12R, I believe. Yes, with all of the letters, okay. Yes, with all the letters. And, and after the hearing, Counselor Terry Kennedy called her on the phone and said, will you just tell me that you'll recuse yourself on abortion cases? 
She wouldn't say that she would. When they reconvened to vote on the nomination, he said that. He said, I'm voting no because she wouldn't say that she would recuse herself on abortion cases. Right after that, Marilyn Devaney said, and I quote, please send us more like her. Okay. I I had an abortion when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I had an unplanned pregnancy. I was living in Massachusetts at the time. The laws of Massachusetts made my life possible. They made my education possible. They made my work as a public defender possible. Mm -hmm. They made my daughter possible. Okay. Yes. No, if you're not pro-choice, you're not getting my vote. That's it. Period. Period. And and again, I really wish people would get the idea that choice is not about just abortion. It's about your right to choose. It's about your body autonomy. That's what it's about. It's it's not, I don't, I don't take anybody else in the bedroom with me when I take, when I go to bed with someone, I don't want those people in my making decisions for my body afterwards. I know that's crass. I'm sure my mother's watching. No, no, but that's, that's what it's about. (laughs) That's what it's about. It's, you know, who, who gets to decide what you do with your body? Yeah, it's, it's it, yeah. it it literally pisses me off when when the conversation around uh, choice comes up because people automatically just think, oh, it's just out here. You're you just want to have an abortion. It's a decision that a lot of times women make by themselves. They're forced yep. to make that decision by themselves, right. whether right. they're keeping the baby or not. Um, right. <laughs> the the guy who was there that night probably hasn't made that decision either with them. Um, right. So it's 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 about body autonomy. And, and we need to have a, a clearer dialogue around that. Um, we do. So the, my next question is, um, how long, you know, what, what's, the, what's the term for governor's council? It's a two-year term. Mm-hmm. So I ran last year. I came so close. We only need 50 more votes per town. To so go to maradolan.com and get there involved. There it is. Yeah. All right. We only need 50 more votes per town to win. So that's why I'm starting now. I'm out there. I'm talking to voters. I'm setting up fundraisers and house parties and friend raisers because this is, this is, this is a profoundly important position. And we've got to have, some, we, first of all, we need the first public defender on the governor's council. It's ridiculous. We haven't had a full-time public defender. Until I hope now. that's what you lead with when you, when you're talking to people, because to oh, me, public defenders are a lot like, yeah you know, teachers, they're the undercover heroes. Um, and I know oh. public defenders get a bad rap. People saying like, oh, your caseload is so heavy. You can't pay attention. That is absolutely not true. There are definitely okay. people who pay attention. Of um, there are. So let's do some fun questions. Okay. okay. This has actually been great fun for me. I actually- Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm no, actually going to pour myself another. I'm empty, y'all. And I'll already. have another step. Um, yeah. Um, so do you watch crime shows? Um, occasionally. Ah, and, and those that you occasionally watch, which are those? Well, it's very occasional. I mean, I've watched Dateline every once in a while. I love Dateline. Um, Shout out to Stone Phillips. (laughs) Um, I, I, sometimes it's just too much for me because of what I do for a living. I kind of like want a break from crime. I recently, my dad says that all the time. My dad's a a retired cop. And when I'm over his house and I'm like taking over his den. Yeah. He's like, he's like, no, we're not watching this. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) It's I did recently read a book on Lizzie Borden. It's an old case. Fascinating fact. It was just about the trial. It was just about her trial. And do you know her lawyer? 
was uh -oh. it? Uh oh, my Zoom's weird, but it'll it'll fix. It does this and then it self-correct. But we got two of you, which is good. Hey. Lizzie Borden's lawyer was a former popular governor of Massachusetts who said in his closing argument that he'd known her since she was a little girl. Now that'd be like Charlie Baker representing someone committing of you know axe murdering two people and saying I've known her since she was a little girl. What do you think the jury is going to do? Was it was it Calvin Coolidge? No. Darn it. Okay. <laughs> Good guess, though. <laughs> Most people don't know Calvin Coolidge was governor of Massachusetts. I know. Before he became president. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I do watch, I do read like crime stories in the news. Like I'll follow like the guy they just picked up in Boston. I won't read a crime book. I will. No, no, the news. Like I'll, like I'll, when there's a big crime story in the oh, news. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. That. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, um, because I, you know, I'm obsessed with crime shows, but I won't, I won't read a crime book. Like if you, if you're in my house, I have a lot of, I'm a big political history fan. Um, I love reading, um, autobiographies or biographies Me because too. I'm extremely nosy and I need to know <laughs> that other people's life is messy so they can yeah. make whatever mess I'm going through a little yeah. bit better. Yeah. I, yeah. um, if you come in, like, I'm, I, I just finished reading, um, the sword and the shield about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, oh, wow. um, which was wow. amazing. I don't know I who gave me that book. I don't remember who one of my friends, my friends now give me books for gifts, which I'm here for. I don't That's know who nice. gave me the book. Thank you for it. It was amazing. Um, and it talks a little bit about um, actually how Dr. King was a lot more radical than Malcolm X. Um, and I think you almost have to be radical I take on an entire United States government and I desegregated <laughs> like absolutely i mean i look back on on things that he said obviously a long time ago and i go Whoa. I, I mean my other toxic Whoa. trait though is also listening to old mlk sermons not speeches sermons that he gives um and i listened to one um called why jesus called a man a fool i watched it right after the affirmative action um mm. Uh, decision by the Supreme Court. And Dr. King literally was talking about Clarence Thomas. And it, I mean, obviously, you know, he didn't know who Clarence Thomas was at the time or whatever, but he's a hypothetical person. Yeah. yeah. And I was listening to this sermon and I'm thinking, oh my God, like this man is talking about what we are experiencing right now, which mm. says two things. One, um, even though we have made strides, there are still people within this community that absolutely um, should not be a part of this community. We've yep. kicked out OJ, we've kicked out Tiger, we're happy to kick out Justice Thomas, um, all of them. But um, it was a really good speech and it just talked a little bit about that. So um, when was the last time you had, <laughs> it's, it's an above the board question. Um, when was the last time you had a moment where you said, oh, I really fucked that up. Oh, <laughs> I really fucked that up. <laughs> ah. Well, you and know, it could be anything. You could be like, I took the trash out on the wrong day, or you know, it's it's stuff that you normally I, go through your routine with. I I I always worry that I'm not prepared enough, that I don't have enough information, and so you know, sometimes I think after the fact, oh crap, I should you know, yeah, done X Y Z. But I also listen. My late sister, Eva, loved me with all her heart. And she passed on something incredibly important to me that I like to pass on to other people, especially women. Sure. She would, 
she was absolutely certain to the depth of her being that anybody who found me lacking was ridiculous. And so when I think I haven't been perfect, which is pretty much all the time, I kind of put it in a bigger context and say, wait a minute, look at everything that you've taken on, everything you're trying to do, everything you're working to accomplish. So if something isn't perfect, yeah, it's just the way it is. That's hard too, especially I'm assuming for people like you and I, who perfectionism is, is real. Um, you know, one, one of the things I've been really honest about this year and telling people is that I suffer greatly from imposter syndrome and it's something that I struggle with and people don't think so because, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you have so much confidence. You have so much this You You always look like you have it together. Um, and in fact, like that's true too. That's not exactly why I have imposter syndrome, but the more you acquire and the higher you climb, um, you are often thinking, how did I get here? What, what did I do? I, I, I can't recount everything that I did. Um, so that is something, and I, and I know a lot of women, especially black women suffer from imposter syndrome. And so I've just been very honest in my journey about it. Um, I mean, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, I just can't. Um, and then there are days where I wake up and I'm like, I'm so amazing. Like, of course you all love me. <laughs> there's just, there's, it's, 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 That's, I, I identify with that. Yeah. Everyone it. has it. And so have way. that. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, could, and that, it's okay. that better, should have done that differently. Yeah. So what I, what I pass on to you is anyone who finds you lacking mm. is ridiculous. Aren't they? Yes. So many people have they're ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. So just take that with you. Yeah. All right. Last question. What is it that you want people to know about you that they may not know? That I haven't had the kind of life people think I had just by looking at me. <laughs> okay. And what, what life is that? Well, I've had to support myself since I was 18. I came to Boston. I didn't even have a high school diploma. Where are you I from? had, I, well, I, we were in Rhode Island at the time and my father had left and then my mother moved to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And so I so came to Boston. Own. Yeah, I was on my own. I knew how to type. So I supported myself doing secretarial work. I got a GED. Um, I got through college. I literally starved my way through college as a single mother. Mm. Then I got through law school, started a law practice. So, you know, the struggles have been real. It's not, there are people who think that everywhere I go, people just roll out the red carpet. It's not true. Wow. I've worked incredibly hard and I've had to deal with a lot of challenges. I love that. I love that relatability because there's not a person on earth who hasn't had a moment where they've had to kind of pull themselves up by the bootstrap. So I appreciate you even sharing something like that. Uh, that is amazing. Honey, it took me 40 years. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to admit it because I wanted everybody to think. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But absolutely. But that's not actually who I am. And on some level, that is hurtful to me if mm -hmm. if that's what people think of me. Because like, you want not, them to respect your 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 hustle. Got it. it. They're not giving me credit. Yeah, I get that. You know? Tell people yeah. where they can find you on Instagram, Facebook, on your website so that they can volunteer and get you those 50 votes per town. 50 votes per town. Um, and the district is huge, by the way. 31 cities and towns, bigger than a congressional seat. Huge. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it, go, it starts in Boston. It goes all the way up to Burlington and then west to Marlboro. Huge. Oh, wow. Okay. MaraDolan.com. 
You can email me at mara at maradolan.com. You can find me on Twitter at maradolan or maradolan4gc on Insta, also at maradolan and maradolan4gc, and also on Facebook, maradolan and maradolan for Governor's Council. I just so, put it in the uh, Facebook chat. Oh, you're so, so nice. Please. I had an even better time than I thought I was going to. You're, you're Good. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm so glad we finally got this together. Um, as I as I told you, you know, I was, I was in the middle of contract negotiation, so you know, I couldn't do too much content. Um, yeah. But thank you for being one of my first guests. So now that I'm back in the swing of things, um, and we hope that you do come back. Are you um, kidding? Anytime. This yes. And, and we wish you all the luck on your, your race. Well, not even luck. We just wish you speed and, and, and diligence and that people will come out to vote. The most important thing is people just knowing about it. So you've yeah. helped tremendously with that today. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so Thank much for you. having me. Thank you. All Take right, care. team, I'm going to pour myself another drink here and talk a little bit about the mess on the Boston city council. So let's get in. Um, Again, I don't know who, who sent me this. I think it was Keenan. Thank you, Keenan. Um, this is amazing stuff. Um, you know what? Just, okay, F it. Um, all right. So listen. <sighs> I want to just thank the Boston City Council for continuously giving me content to talk about. Your mess is amazing. And I love it. Thank you. But on a real note, you all are such an embarrassment. <laughs> it's terrible that every week something is coming out. If it's not an ethics violation, it's something that is so avoidable, so um, it just it just doesn't make sense. Because again, many of you are not without talent. You are capable. Some are mostly qualified. But the fact that you are making such amateur mistakes, to me, I have no words. I literally have no words. And I think a little bit, because I'm, I'm supposed to be mixing a cocktail, y'all. I know I'm not doing this very well. I get it. Um, so um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and here we are in the middle of the historic NAACP convention and people who are visiting our city are reading the newspaper and reading about ethics violations or ethical violations by city councilors who look like them, who they are fighting for to make sure that we have space and representation in these seats. And you're fumbling the ball? Like, how does that even make sense? I am so disappointed in who a lot of these people became. Because I knew them when they weren't city councilors and these are not the people that I backed. If I knew that this is what it was going to end up being, I would not have backed half of the city councils of color that I did, quite frankly. And I do not plan to support many of them. As I said uh, last week, <clears throat> you know, I'm only endorsing a few people. Um, and I rarely endorse these days and not that my endorsement is a big deal because I don't, you don't need my endorsement. What you don't need is for me to roast you though. So, um, I don't know what else to say, but get it together. I mean, you all are just making amateur, amateur mistakes. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. So here's what we're going to do. 
I'm going to invite some of these city councilors that are in the hot seat <laughs> onto the show. Now, whether they accept or not, that's their business. Um, it will, of course, say more about who they are than it will about me. But um, let me just say, we are going to have um, a few of them on. Um, but first, uh, or our next show, um, we are having Mayor Michelle Wu. That's going to be fun. Um, and so, you know, the mayor was gracious enough to give us some time. Um, she has been on the show before um, when she was running for mayor. I haven't had her on before. I haven't had her on since. I'm real particular about the lineup um, because one, I don't need to have the same elected official on over and over and over again. I want to give space um, to other people running for office. As you just saw, we had the remarkable Mara Dolan on talking about not only her um, her her experience as a public defender and why she's running for governor council, but it's important for me that you all get to experience and understand that there's more to elected offices than just these shiny campaigns. There are people who are actually out here um, across the Commonwealth doing the same kind of work, um, or I'm sorry, not the same kind of work, but are doing work um, to make it a better place for all of us. So um, again, make sure you tune in. Um, I will put out, um, once I have the final confirmation, from the mayor's office, uh, but I'm going to put it out there for Tanya, for uh, Kendra, for Ricardo, Julia, all of you all come on the show. Let's talk about it. Y'all know me. I don't do the talk behind anybody's back. I say it straight to their face. Let's have this dialogue. If I am misunderstanding or if I am reading the room wrong, which I'm not, let me know. Like, <laughs> let's have this conversation. Because for me, I'd rather, uh, you know, do it face to face. Um, so that way, you know, you all aren't giving me side eyes at receptions. <laughs> or you're not... <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. It's so silly. It's so silly. Or you all are not um, guessing what I'm thinking um, or asking people about me or driving down my street. Um, stop that. That's that's not nice. Anywho, I'm going to ask them to come on. And if they accept, I'll let y'all know. If they don't accept, I will let y'all know. But again, thank you all for joining me for Politics and Prosecco. This has already got me kind of, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm going to get dressed. I'm heading down to the NAACP convention. If you all have not been yet, please go and support our local branches across the Commonwealth, um, but also just support the NAACP. I mean, y'all know they are out here doing all of the work in these streets for us. Show your support. Show that Boston has a, a Black community that is thriving and that is engaged and I will see you all at the next show. See you later.